0: Amen. Now, you may be seated in your lawn chair or in your vehicle. I know some of you came today anticipating actually meeting in the sanctuary, and you were shocked that we were having our meeting outdoors. But I'm so glad that you stayed, and I know you're going to continue to enjoy this. We decided, even though we don't need to do it because we've lifted the social distancing, we've lifted the wearing of the mask and taking of the temperature. And so I'm inviting all of you, of course, to join us in our sanctuary. That we'll be having next Sunday, but we still decided because it was so popular last summer to have one of these outdoor open-air meetings once a month, and so we're having it now. We'll have another one in July and another one in August and September. I want to share with you what God placed upon my heart And of course, I want you to be open and receptive to it, not as a moment of any guilt or condemnation, but open your heart to say, Lord, I want any excuse in my life to be absolutely, completely terminated and removed. The title of this sermon, but I trust it'll be a message to your heart, is titled, Cancel Out the Excuses. Cancel Out the Excuses. Now, naturally, what will precipitate in your mind is the question, what is an excuse? We're all good at making them. I'm sure I've made hundreds, if not thousands of them throughout the course of my life. And I've learned that making excuses never advanced me, never grew anything in my life. Many great leaders have said that excuses make great monuments of nothing, no advancement, nothing has progressed, nothing succeeded. An excuse by its very definition is a reason, a rationale, an explanation of your behavior and why it's justified. It's interesting that the very derivation of the word in the scope of the New Testament and the New Testament language of the word excuse is kind of a compound. It means logic and to justify, logic and to justify. It's the justifying of our logic, our rationale our reasoning in defense of our lack of a choice or the choice that we've made, our lack of action in a certain area or the actions that we're exhibiting. So when it comes to an excuse, maybe it's fair to say you've got to discern the difference between a good reason and a dangerous excuse. Now, this is how I make a distinction between the two. When it comes to a good reason, it's a good reason. When it comes to an excuse, it means that I've invited in a rationale, an explanation, a reason that separates me or divorces me from a command that God has issued or a promise that he has given or a responsibility or a task he's entrusted to me to do. If he's given me a task or a responsibility if he has given me a promise that I need to hold on to, if he's given me a command in the area of my own life or relationships or my management of my finances or my time or in my morality, my ethics, then I know if I develop a reason that puts me at variance, divorces me from and disconnects me, splits me from those commands or those promises or responsibilities, I've developed a well-sounding excuse. And to others, it might sound legitimate, logical, reasonable, and even convincing. But I know by my own conscience that I'm violating something that God wants me to do. And I've developed a well-sounding excuse. The scripture says, actually in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, They are without excuse. Who is the they referring to? Well, in Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul presents an argument that theologians will call a cosmological argument for the existence of God. Cause and effect, there has to be a first cause. Another argument he develops there in Romans chapter one is what's called the teleological argument. It basically saying there's such intrinsic, unique design in everything. Surely there has to be a great designer. And so on the basis of that reality, that God has created all things, and when we look at creation, it speaks, it shouts to us, there is a God, and he is the creator, and he's alive, and he's real, and he's tangible, and he wants to have a relationship with us. Well, the apostle Paul says, to those who deny that, they are without excuse, There's no reason, logic, or explanation that they can give in defense of a rationale that's inconsistent with the reality that God has revealed himself through creation. Now, in Romans, it also says to us that there's the argument from our own conscience that God exists, and we're without excuse on the basis of that. And then most of all, through the revelation of Christ, you see that in Romans chapter three. Now, Jesus spoke about excuses, and it comes in the narrative, in the story of a parable, and we know it to be the parable of the great feast. Now, keep in mind, there's an incredible abundant provision that's on the other side of an individual that chooses to say, I'm not going to create an excuse. Because in Luke chapter 14, when Jesus gives us this parable, he says there was a certain man And he decided to have a huge feast, a big celebration, an awesome spread, a big supper, a big meal. It insinuates or it infers to us in the text that it was going to be magnificent and abundant and abounding with all these delicacies. An incredible celebration. The supper table was ready. And he tells his servant, now go out. And he gives a command Tell them to come. Now, that's the command. And here's the promise. I have a table that's filled with provision. And here's what the scripture says as Jesus delivers in this discourse his parable. In verse 18, it says, and they began to make excuses. They actually allowed an excuse to block off a provision. I don't know that rationale, but I know I've done that in my own life. There's been times when I know there is a pulsating command from God over my life. And wherever it might be, you know, it might be in your physical journey. In other words, about your hygiene or your diet or your health. Or maybe it's in your intellectual journey. You develop some excuses that disconnect you from advancing in your knowledge base and your intelligence and your wisdom. Or maybe it's in your journey of uh, social growth and maturation and development. You develop excuses that separate you from others and a provision that can come in the context of a relationship, a healthy relationship with another individual. Or maybe for you in your journey, it's uh, your journey, your benevolent journey. In other words, how you help others. But in that journey, you develop a lot of well-defined, well-structured, logical excuses. I can't help him. I can't help her. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the spiritual uh, gifting. I don't have the finances. In your spiritual journey, the most important, you can develop excuses. There might some say, "Well, you know, I just don't have the time. I'm I'm tired. I'm anxious. I'm depressed." I'm burnt out. I tell you what, my provision for me is going to be a pill or a drug or a drink or a fantasy. I'll use one of those. And so there's a real danger in the development of our own excuses that roadblock us from God's provision. In the parable, the very essence of it, the motif of it, the center point of this is provision. There is a table of provision for you, a table of grace, a table of healing, a table of whatever God wants to bestow upon you that he knows you need to help you physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually but we roadblock it. And they give some pathetic excuses. In the parable, as Jesus unpacks it for us, he says, well, there was one who said, hey, listen, I've got to go check out uh, the land that I just bought. Wait a second. Who would buy some land without checking it out first? Who among us would buy a home without going at least to check it out? It was a lame excuse. The next one said, well, I've got some oxen and I've got to go get them because I got to test to see if they're good or healthy. Oh my word, come on. What an excuse. Why wouldn't the world would you ever bought those oxen without first testing them? And then there's another one and I've got to walk carefully here. It was a, he said, there was one who said, hey, I just got married and my wife, so I, I can't come. Now that sounds like Genesis when it was blaming The spouse, whatever it might be. For you, it might seem sensible, convincing, logical, even to others. But Jesus points out in this parable, why have you constructed an excuse to block you from a provision? The table is set. God has something for you. Don't allow an excuse to come and invade that opportunity of being a recipient of that provision. Someone might have got up this morning, looked out, and said, Oh, it looks cloudy and overcast. I bet you it's going to rain today. I don't think I'm going to go to church. Because if it's outdoors, I'm going to get rained on, or it's going to be hot. Now, maybe it's a good reason for someone. But if it's disconnecting you from something you know you need to be doing as a discipline a responsibility, a command, or a promise, then it's a lame, dangerous excuse. And it cuts you off from God's provision. And so there's a sobriety I think we need to have in the context of hearing what God wants to give to us and not allow a well-sounding, well-structured, logical excuse to get in the way. We've got to filter them out. I remember when I was teaching at a Bible college, a student came up to me and said, "Uh, Pastor Zorlingo, is there any way that I can be excused from taking this exam? I'm just not emotionally ready to do it. I said, what happened? Well, my grandmother died. I said, oh, okay, listen, I'm always sensitive to those realities, the grieving process, the passing of a loved one, especially someone close to you like your grandmother. Listen, you go ahead, you head home, let it settle in your heart. Go through this. I'm going to be praying for you, and you could take this test at another time. He started to walk away, and then I I decided to ask a question that you would think would be an understood, but I said, I said, listen, when did you get the information about your grandmother passing away? And he kind of mumbled. So that caused me to inquire more specifically. I said, when did you find out about your grandmother passing away? And he said, oh, I, uh, I found out 10 years ago. I said, 10 years ago? He goes, Yeah, I'm kind of dealing with it now. I said, Stop it. Sit down and take this test. Everyone could develop an excuse to get out of a responsibility. But oh, that the Lord protect us from that propensity. I remember there was one individual at the end of my day. I was heading out. It was about five, six o'clock, and uh, they basically said to me, he came up to me, and I I knew who he was, and I knew he didn't work in the afternoon. He said, Hey, Pastor Z, I've got an emergency. It's got to be dealt with right now in my life. You gotta you gotta meet with me. And I said, uh, Listen, I I can't meet with you right now. I I'm I'm about to head home. I'm gonna I have dinner with my my kids and and my wife, and that's a real big priority can we meet tomorrow? And he said, no, no, this is a pulsating emergency. I've got to meet with you. And I said, now, listen, I know you don't work. Why didn't you come in earlier? He said, well, listen, I had to do my laundry and I had to feed my cat. He actually said that to me. I don't make these stories up. I said, what? You had to do your laundry. You had to feed your cat. And then you decided to have the emergency. Yeah. Yeah. On your timetable, we're going to meet tomorrow. I remember there was a gentleman who came up to me and he said, listen, I want out of my marriage. I said, why do you want out of your marriage? He goes, I don't like the way my wife looks anymore. I said, what? He goes, I don't like the way my wife looks anymore. He goes, have a look at her. I said, Abs- how, how offensive. I said, I don't need to look at her. I'm looking right at you. And God tells you, don't you, don't you dare consider that as a legitimate excuse to cut you off of your covenant with your spouse and besides you look in the mirror what you look like you know it's re- it's amazing the excuses that we could come up with i have my fair share of them and i'm sure you do as well and sometimes we'll hold on to that excuse and it will get between us and god's provision it becomes almost a hiding place you know, your excuse can become a hiding place. It can be a place of getting covered. I, I, I can't do that in my marriage. I can't do that with my finances. I, I can't do that with my time. I can't make that commitment in the, in the context of the church. I, I can't go there. I can't further my education. I, I can't. I, I'm not, you, you, the reason, the reason, the reason is this. And we'll articulate them and it becomes a a hiding place. Yet the scripture says in Psalm 32 and verse 7, the Lord is our hiding place. That's what David said. And when the Lord becomes your hiding place, it's not a cover-up. It's not shrouding something that he's commanded you to do, or a promise you need to hold on to, or a responsibility you need to carry out. No, no, no. It's it's not a cover-up. No, now you are, the scripture says, surrounded with songs of deliverance and undergirded by the strength of God. And in Psalm 32 and verse eight, it goes on to say, after saying, the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my hiding place, not to cover or to conceal, but to surround me and to envelop me and to undergird me and strengthen me. And then in verse eight, it says, and you, Lord, will lead me, guide me, and direct me in the way that I should go with your eye upon me. What a promise, what a provision from the living God. So what should we do? Let me tell you what I try to do in my life. The first thing I do is I try to filter through my reasoning. So right now, if you're thinking about something in your life and you're saying, yeah, I think I may have developed a well-sounding excuse in that area. And the scripture says, hey, we are without excuse. And don't start developing those excuses, especially if they're going to separate you from a provision that God has for you. So I say, Lord, I want to filter through my reasoning, my rationalizing, my justification. Please help me to purge through this. Sometimes I'll use accountability in my life. I'll ask someone else that I love and respect, and I know they love and respect me, and I trust them, and I'll say, what do you think about this reasoning? Is this valid? Is this a good reason, or is it a dangerous excuse? And after sifting through that and you discover, oh, you have discovered some illegitimate excuses, you've discovered some excuses that are very dangerous and very unhealthy, then I, can I encourage you, don't play with them, don't pet them, don't keep them around, cast them down. Interpret them as that's Dangerous. Because it doesn't mean I'm gonna be depleted in my energy. Oh, if I take this on, if I do it, I'm gonna be depleted in my energy. I won't have anything left to go forward because I'm burnt out to begin with. And so I'm gonna go to the refrigerator and get some more food instead of going and doing this. Listen, don't allow yourself to be cut off from God's provision because when you do what he's commanded you to do, when you do what he's promised for you, when he's entrusted to you a sacred duty task or responsibility, he will empower you with his grace. It'll be a table of provision for you. It will be your daily bread that he'll impart to you. So you can cast down the excuse in exchange in the substitution as you receive provision. Then grip hold of that promise Grip hold of how God wants you to handle your time or your finances or your marriage or a relationship. Grab hold of what he wants you to be in your commitment to a ministry or to a church. Grab hold of it. And even if you think, "I, I don't have the capability of doing this, maybe it's being a witness, Oh, I don't want to witness to these people. And what's your excuse? Oh, I don't feel I'm intelligent enough. I can't defend the faith. I I can't represent it in an authentic fashion or way. You develop an excuse rather than saying, you know what, Lord, I may not feel equipped. This might be a well-sounding excuse, but I'm going to toss it away because you've given me a command in Matthew 28, 19 that I need to go and be a witness for you. And in Acts chapter two, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to believe that you're going to supply me with all the grace I need to do what you've called me to do that'll go far beyond my capability and my abilities. You will be my provision. And that's why I believe when you lay hold of the command or the promise that you could have been separated from because of an excuse, God is going to grace you with his grace. He's going to pour it into you. He's going to download it into you. Why? Three times in the Bible, he says the very same thing. You find it in Proverbs chapter three. You find it in uh, James chapter four, and you find it in first Peter chapter five. He says the same thing. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He pours his grace upon those who say, I'm going to receive humbly your command. I'm going to receive humbly your promise, and I'm going to do something that I would never be capable of doing. Just like when Jesus said to Peter, come, he could walk on water because of his own power energy, that he could abort the the law of gravitation. No. Because he was walking on a command. He was walking on a promise. He was given grace from Almighty God to do something he could never do and to be something he could never be in himself. And so when you say, well, I've got an excuse. No, you don't because you have Almighty God as your refuge. You have Almighty God as your hiding place. You have Almighty God to supply you with everything you need when you simply humble yourself, not with pride, not with arrogance, to give a well-sounding excuse that's logical and seems to convince everybody, oh yeah, I know why she doesn't. He doesn't do that anymore. No, no, you say, Lord, uh uh-uh, I'm not going to disconnect from your promise and your command in this responsibility. I'm going to lay hold of your promise. I'm going to lay hold of your command. I'm going to lay hold of this responsibility and be a recipient of your abounding grace. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, if they would, please, because we want to sing of that incredible grace that God wants to pour into you. He becomes your hiding place. He'll surround you. He'll undergird you. I'm gonna ask us to do now something that I try to do daily because I get harassed with excuses as much as you do. I'm gonna ask you if you would be so gracious, just close your eyes, young and old. If you're a teenager, young adult, middle-aged, senior saint, we're all schooled in how to do excuses. We have to relearn some of that stuff. Can I invite you to just close your eyes and say, oh God, in this area of my life, In this area of my life, I need you to help me to filter through this, to discern if it's a good reason or if it's a dangerous excuse, if it's disconnecting me from, divorcing me from, separating me from your command, your promise, your call on my life. The responsibility you've entrusted to me, then, Lord, I want to cast it down right now. I want to cast it down. I want to cast down the statements. Ah, well, I just don't feel like I got the energy. I don't. I don't think I'm equipped. I'm too anxious to do that. I don't think there's really a need there. No, I I don't I don't I don't think I got the right skill set. I don't have enough finances, Lord. I ask that you'd help us to move toward the table of provision, this great feast, this great supper, and to receive your grace right now. I pray the grace of God. Just pretend like it's just me and you right now. I place my, my prayer upon you, my, my my spiritual hand upon you, and I say, be filled with the grace of God as you humble yourself and say, I receive this command. I I receive this promise. I receive this responsibility. I know God has given it to me. Now, may you be filled with that grace that translates into strength and empowerment and ability and capability to do what you could never do and be what you could never be in yourself. In Jesus' name, I pray this upon you and in you.